everybody, and welcome to Wake Up and Grow. I am your host, Natalie Bittinger. Today's tea is just a simple mint tea. Sometimes it's paired with green, with green leaf or the normal black leaf tea. But there's that. So today I'm going to be focusing on Psalm chapter 139, the whole chapter, um, and I'd like to kind of dissect it for you, but before we do that, let's just read the whole chapter. If you have your physical Bible, uh, or digital one, I'd like you to read along with me as I start in Psalm chapter 139. I am reading out of the ESV, ESV, just in case you were wondering. It starts out with, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in, behind and before, and I and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Oh, where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. O that you would slay the wicked, O God! O men of blood, depart from me! They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. So I know that was a bit of reading, um, but now that I have, now that we have read the chapter as a whole. I would like to kind of invite you into how 
I do my devotions. I probably mentioned this a while back in an earlier episode. But if I have time in the morning when I do my devotions, I will read the whole chapter of a book. And then I would go, I'll read it as a whole. And then I will go back and read each verse or sections of verses if it's like one sentence split into several verses I will go back and kind of dissect the verses and see what God is trying to tell me through those as individual verses and then as a whole chapter but that's what I'm going to kind of try kind of try and do here with chapter 139 of Psalm um I have consulted some commentary and sermon notes on this chapter via a website, or I think it's also an app called Bible Hub, and I think it's a very cool way to add to my research and find different perspectives and information on scripture in general, Um, but if you're curious and want to check them out, I'll have the link to the website in my episode notes. But the first thing I want to hone in on with this chapter is that, as a whole, it is about total surrender to God. And without total surrender, he cannot fully know us, and we cannot fully know him, if we're unwilling to surrender all of ourselves to him and his searching. So, naturally, let's start with verse 1, which says, and I'll read it again. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. So, in the original Hebrew language language that this is written in, the word used for search is also the same word that's used in Job chapter 28, verse 3, which says, Man puts an end to darkness and searches out to the farthest limit, the ore in gloom in deep darkness. But this Hebrew word that is used for search is in reference to the mining of a precious metal that is deep within the earth's crust and within within the dirt. And if you don't know anything about the mining process, it is very, it is a very intricate, delicate, and grueling task, and it requires high attention to detail and unwavering scrutiny. If you think about uh, back when prospecting for gold was a really big thing up in Alaska and other areas in the lower United States, um, there the work that those men did just to find little bits of gold was so incredibly hard and tasking. And what I got out of that in my little, in this verse, is that when God searches our hearts, he is mining out the grime and the dirt, which is the things in our lives that keep us from drawing closer to him. And in doing so, He reveals the precious metals and jewels that were hidden, and 
those are the amazing things is that he will teach us and the amazing acts he will do through us. The second half of this verse, the in knowing me part, is interesting to me. Because typically when we think about the word know, K-N-O-W, we think about having knowledge about something. But a lot of the knowledge we have that we think we know well is surface space. What the Bible is talking about here, and the psalmist is meaning when he says, known me, that God has known him. This level of knowledge that God has or is to have of us is parallel to the knowledge that a man or woman has of or with their spouse. Or if you prefer, if you don't have any experience in that, the same level of knowledge that you would have with your first or second grade BFF. You know you told your friend everything when you were that age. And it is this complete and intimate, deep, intimately deep knowledge with all secrets laid bare, nothing is hidden. And this is the knowledge that comes from being being made one with God and continually drawing closer to him and learning more about his character. And something that's comforting to me is the fact that God knows everything there is to know about me. And the same goes for you. You cannot keep secrets from God. Now, now some people might see that as um, threatening versus comforting. And that is because they know that there are things in their life that are keeping them from God. And I know there are probably, there are more than likely, thing, likely things in my life that are keeping me from God. But I have made the decision, and I'm going to touch on this again at the end of this episode, but I've made the decision to say to God, hey, I want you to take those things from my life so I can draw closer to you. And that is what turns this fact that I can't keep secrets from God as a comforting thing from a fearful thing into a comforting thing. But like I said, there is nothing about our day-to-day -day lives that God does not know about. He is very aware of your struggles, your pain, anger, sadness, and, and your desires. And he understands them. He was human when he sent Jesus down as his son. He literally put himself in human flesh and lived as a human. He knows what life is like on earth. Verses 1 through 6 show us that God is omniscient 
and omniscient means that he is all-knowing. Verses 7 through 12 begin to address God's omnipresence, and that is essentially his ability to be all-present. Um, and this implies to us that he is everywhere at all times, including our past, present, and future. He is not limited by time or space. Verses 11 through 12 kind of stuck out to me within this 7 through 12 section here. And these verses suggest that well, let me read them real quick before I expound upon them. If I say, surely the darkness shall overcome me, and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. So 11 and 12, 11 and 12, suggest that even the cover of darkness cannot hide us from God and his presence because God scatters darkness. He changes dark to light, both literal and metaphorical sense. He can he causes the sun to rise and gives us light during the day. But he can also take those dark parts of us and turn them around, get rid of them, or change them so that they are good and glorifying to him. And they all these verses also point to the fact that God is always with us. He is He is with us during the dark times of our life. As well as the good times. Moving on to verses 13 through 18, this section points to God's omnipotence, and that is God's unlimited power, the, the power for him to do anything. And <laughs> kind of a random side note, kind of not. In verse 13, which says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. So I don't have it in my translation of the ESV, but in some other um, translations, there's a little footnote beside the word, or the section, yeah, the word inward parts. That's two words in English, but in Hebrew, it's a singular word. And it actually means the kidneys. And I, <laughs> I was very confused when I saw that while I was researching this chapter. But after I did some research, research, I figured out that the kidneys in the Hebrew culture were considered the second most important organ right next to the heart. And 
these were associated with, quote, the most inner stirrings of emotional life, unquote. And after thinking about it, yeah, it was a little odd, <laughs> but it makes sense. Back then, the, their medical knowledge wasn't as great as it is now, as we have it now. And I don't know if you've ever, like, if you're weird like I am, but if, you, <laughs> if you've ever just laid on your bed or on the floor, no noise, and just kind of list not you can't hear your own heartbeat but you can feel it in your chest right so obviously they knew about the heart because you can feel your heartbeat like if you run um your heart beats faster or if you're scared or excited your heart beats faster and harder so you can feel that very much so in your chest when you're ill depending on what you're sick with you might be able to feel that illness or if you've eaten something that's not good for you you might be able to feel that in your kidney area and so these were kind of the bigger organs that they knew about they associated the kidneys with like I said, the most inner stirrings of emotional life. And the fact that they're applying this word, this Hebrew word, to this verse. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. You formed the most inner stirrings of emotional life in me. You created the part of me that allows me to enjoy and live life. Obviously, today, the kidneys are understood to hold a very different function, but um, it was to the writer of this psalm very important that the people understood that God created, yes, their body parts, their physical body parts, but also their ability to enjoy things, their ability to feel emotions. And that's, that's a whole different level of getting to know someone. Not just to know them physically, but to know them emotionally and mentally. And Something else that stuck out to me is the fact that the creator of the world took the time and the effort and the care to create me in his image and he cared enough about me and you to create humankind differently than the rest of the living creatures on earth. If you go back to Genesis and read the creation story or account, you will see that 
A mankind was made last. B that all the other creation creations and creatures that were made before mankind were simply spoken into being. Whereas with mankind, the human race, you and I, are the only creatures that God, as it says in the Bible, breathed life into and created with his own hands. He didn't speak us into life. He molded us. He shaped us. He put us together physically and breathed his own breath into us. And this kind of leads into verse 14, which says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. And you've probably heard this verse spoken to an audience of young teens who are just beginning to find their identities and figure out who they are. But I think this verse can be very misunderstood. Simply because we don't explain the why we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And this goes back to what happened in Genesis. And what happens in every mother's womb when they conceive. We are set apart from the rest of creation. We are crafted with intentional care and were made for a grander purpose than ourselves. Simply because God loves us. God made us in his image. image. And what that means is when he looked at you, after he was done creating you and when he looked at your life that you were about to live he saw aspects of himself one of the aspects of himself that God gave us is the ability to create like he did God created life. We can create life of our own. That's through a child. We can also create through music, uh, art, writing, um, dance. So many other ways that we can create. Secondly, God gave us the ability to love by choice, which is the truest form of love in, in, in free will. Thirdly, God also gave us a conscience to determine right from wrong. And this knowledge of having of being able to determine right from wrong whether one's a Christian or not 
aligns with his written law that he gave to Moses in the Ten Commandments. Moving on to verse 16, which says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So this verse tells us that God saw the days you would be facing today before you ever saw any of them. So he created you knowing the days you would face, knowing the struggles that you would go through. And you, that's gotta make you wonder, did God create me with the, with the ability to face these days? Skipping down to verses 19 through 22. When I first read these verses, they kind of seemed to take a very different tone than the previous verses. And I've come to kind of expect that with the writings in Psalms, in, in the Psalm. But after kind of reading other people's comments and thoughts on these two, these couple verses, it seems that verses 19, 19 through 22 are kind of the reflections of the psalmist's thoughts and the confusion he's having as to why God would tolerate and allow evil to exist in his, in the world he created. And I have no doubt, I've had these thoughts before, but I have no doubt that some of us may have at one point asked or are currently asking these same questions. And the answer is complex and sometimes hard to understand and explain. So I'm going to do my best. But if you don't get the right answers from me, I, <laughs> I suggest you look for the answers in the word and through God speaking to you through his Holy Spirit. But the best answer that I can come up with and verbally regurgitate <laughs> is that evil exists because we have free will as humans. We it, Sin entered the world once Adam and Eve partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil that they were commanded not to. However, Without free will, we would simply be robots and lack the ability to know the truest form of love from God. Therefore, free will has stayed. And if you go to Romans chapter 8, verse, or no, yeah, chapter 8, verse 28.
we see that yes bad things happen and there's nothing that we can do as humans to stop that and sometimes yes God does allow for something to happen but he does not cause the bad things but in Romans 8.28 it says I'm going to paraphrase it here but that God works out everything for good for those who are following his purpose and another there's another translation of that that I think does it better and it does explain it better and that is in everything God is working so yes bad things happen I wish they didn't that'd be phenomenal but living in the world that we live in I know that's not gonna happen but I do understand that as long as I pursue the purpose God has for me that no matter what happens God is still working in my life for the good of his kingdom The psalmist ends this chapter with a plea for God to purify his heart. And this is possibly in response to his voiced hatred in the couple verses before. But verses 23 through 24 say, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. This is a prayer that I have started to sincerely pray for both myself and, well, yeah, for myself, before I start my day. Because I want God to remove those things in me that are hindering to my relationship with him as well as his relationship with those around me because I I can either push someone away from God or push someone towards God and I don't want I never want to be the reason that someone has turned from God that would just absolutely shatter and break my heart. But I also don't want to get in the own way, or in the way of my own growth towards God. And so this is a prayer that I have started praying very heavily upon myself. Is that God would remove these, these things from me. That hinder my relationship with him. and hinder others' relationships with him. 
and that he would replace it, and that he would continually draw me towards himself in growth and in surrender. And if you're wanting to make this prayer the prayer that you pray over yourself, let me warn you that the removal of those things is going to be painful. Some of the things that have been removed from my life are things I enjoy doing. Some of them are relationships that I had fun in. Or other things that in and of themselves aren't bad. They themselves are not a sin, but because they've gotten in between me and God, they became an idol that I worshipped. And God says, have no other idols before me. And so... encourage you to pray that prayer but also know that it is a very dangerous prayer to pray because God is more than willing in fact he wants to purify your heart as the psalmist says he wants to search you and know your heart he wants to try you and know your thoughts and he wants to remove any grievous or sinful way in you and he wants to lead you himself but he won't if you're not willing I want to thank you again for listening and remind you that wake up and grow releases episodes bi-weekly that is every other Monday and I encourage you to give Wake Up A Grow on a follow on Instagram at wugpod that's W-U-G-P-O-D and go find Wake Up And Grow on Facebook again I am Natalie Bittinger and this has been Wake Up And Grow